Welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week me and a panel of guests discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to Supernatural to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week we're going to be talking about Sherlock, something that your host, Erin, uh, has no familiarity with really. So this is going to be a learning experience for me as well. Um, and we're going to have two new guests on this week with me and one returning, Sasha. Um, so I'm very excited to have two new people on. So as always, before we dive into all things Sherlock, we're going to go around and everyone can introduce themselves and tell me one thing right now that you're excited about in fandom or pop culture. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Rebecca. Hi, I'm Rebecca Jacobson. And what I am obsessed with right now, I just finished binging the second season on Netflix of the show Sex Education, which I think is a, an excellent, uh, excellent program. If nobody has checked it out yet, highly recommend it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that one. I haven't watched it, but I've heard a lot of interesting things about it. Anyone else watch that one? Not yet. No, I haven't nope. watched it yet either. Although I also have heard good things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to add it to my list. And then Sasha? Um, hi, I'm Sasha returning. And uh, this is one of those really embarrassing true confession moments for me. So I <laughs> had a really rough week and binged uh, The Circle on Netflix, oh, which yeah. is <laughs> a social media reality show. Mm-hmm. Um that's and I did it. I did it thinking it was going to be reality show cheese, um, and I turned out to really like it. Um, <laughs> they kind of grew on me. So true confession, embarrassing. Yeah. Well, we all have those. We all have our guilty yes. pleasures that we love, and there's nothing wrong with that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was an <laughs> unexpected one. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it helped you some hopefully with your week yes it did <laughs> and then Susie oh, yes hello I'm uh, Susie Segura um, I'm, I'm new so uh, well something that I've been binge watching over and over again just uh, as of recently is well two things one is the Cats musical from 1990 <laughs> <laughs> yes just so good <laughs> and the other one is uh, the I guess crime drama Criminal Minds. Oh, so okay. it's two polar opposites, but I make it work. <laughs> Did you see the movie, Cats? No, the new I have one? not. No, it's just... supposed to be absolutely dreadful. I, I saw the trailer and I said, nope. <laughs> and that's, exactly. That's what made me watch the 98 version. Okay. <laughs> so like, let's compare. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, and this is Aaron. Um, And I'm going to break my rule like I always do because I'm going to kind of make this a little bit, it's kind of a double um, suggestion. But once again, um, I am really into Shia LaBeouf again, which is just something that I never thought would happen to me because I used to hate the guy, to be honest, (laughs) he annoyed me. Um, But, you know, I I already recommended the Peanut Butter Falcon, but the new one um, is Honey Boy, which will be available to stream on February 7th on Amazon Prime. And I watched it last Friday. They had a special 24 hour thing where it was, and I didn't know that when I watched it. So um, it's really good. It's uh, semi autobiographical. Actually, I think it's supposed to be completely about 
um, Shia LaBeouf's life growing up as a child actor, and he plays basically his father. So it's really good. So I highly recommend that. And then because I now like the guy, I've been watching all his movies. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to watch the Transformers movies, though. I don't know. But... <laughs> No, no. If you do it, just watch the first and you're good. <laughs> so I watched, and I'm also, um, as I said, um, doing a 365-day movie challenge. Um, and so I watched the movie called American Honey. It's a little small independent movie. It's almost three hours long, but it goes by really quickly. And it's on um, Netflix. And it's all about this girl who joins up with, I guess this is a thing that happens, actually. These teenagers go around. They're called mag kids. And they go and sell magazines across the country. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's, it's kind of depressing, but it's, it's, but it's good. So anyway, so that's what I'm excited about. Okay, so let's dive into Sherlock. Um, so like I said, I am really new to this show. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to learn everything here. I know I've got some excited people. I know Rebecca's got her Sherlock shirt on right now and everything. So we're going to geek out. Um, so I'm going to go around and just first ask everybody what drew you to the show. Um, and then just if you just want to go into that a little bit, start with you, Rebecca. Okay, so I think I probably have... I'm going to guess I have the most unusual draw to this show of anybody who's on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So I started watching the show when Netflix had, had picked it up. I, so I have to, I have to explain this. My husband and I, we've been, we'll be married four years this year, but for the first six years that we were together, we were long distance the entire time. Mm-hmm. I uh, know that. Yes, <laughs> that was pretty difficult. Um, and at one of those points, we missed being in the same city by about three days. Uh, I had gotten offered a job in Washington, D.C., and three days before I was supposed to move to D.C., he got accepted to a master's program here in Denver. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I cried the entire drive <laughs> out to Washington, D.C., uh, but while I was in, in D.C. at that point, I, one of my best friends told me, had you watched Sherlock yet? You need to. The guy who plays Sherlock looks just like Grant. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I saw, I, I hear people saying good things about it. I, I love, I read the Sherlock stories when I was growing up. I've seen various adaptations of the Sherlock stories yeah, I figured I'd probably check it out at some point. And one evening by myself, feeling lonely, again, I've decided I'd finally turn it on and watch it. And the very first scene when you see Sherlock appear in that very first conversation, my jaw dropped and I went, oh my God, it's Grant. Oh my God, it not only looks like Grant, he acts like Grant too, to the point that this is a little scary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I... I became very obsessed with this show at this point and my husband does not get into fandoms at all like he has geeky things that he likes but especially when it comes to fiction it's really hard to get him to sit down and like actually make it through a season of a tv show and this was one of the few shows that I found that he actually will sit down and watch it with me and I made him sit down and watch it the first time because I'm like no this is you this is you. You have better social skills. This is you. That's funny. And 
sure enough, we sat in that, like, watching, rewatching at least, I think, the, probably the third time for me, the first time for him, that first <laughs> episode. And when Sherlock meets John Watson in person, and, like, before he can launch into his long explanations that he gives about all the clues that he was able to pick up, Grant started going, okay, so he probably figured out that he's a soldier because I'm going to guess because of the tan and because of the way that he's standing. And I was like, you are spoiling this show for yourself right now. <laughs> and it's because you are watching yourself. That's funny. So I, I got really into the show, especially while we were doing this long distance for, for so many years, because it was sort of a way for me to, I guess in some ways, be able to like, feel like this sort of connection with somebody that I wanted to be close to, but who could not actually be there with me at the time. So, wow. That's why I say I have probably have the most unusual <laughs> way I ever got into this show. That's really shows. cool though. That's a really cool. So Sasha, come on, you, you had the same one, right? <laughs> I, totally. How did you guess? <laughs> this is what happens to everyone, right? This is how everyone gets involved in the show because the- they think it looks exactly like their significant other. <laughs> That's the only reason to watch it, right? <laughs> I, I I must have been mistaken about what this podcast was about. My bad. Um, I triumphing through adversity. <laughs> for me, I think Sherlock. Um, I got into the the BBC version, the one that we're talking about, like at the very beginning, just because it was Sherlock. And like Rebecca, like I had read the stories, you know, and I, I like the idea of Sherlock. I've always been into kind of true crime uh, detective stories. So it was just, it fit with everything else that I liked. Um, and I was hooked at the beginning. I mean, I also watched the movies, you know, the Robert Downey Jr. movies. And um, I just, for me, Sherlock is just one of those characters that has a place in my heart just for the crime solving aspect awesome okay and Susie oh well I mean I don't think <laughs> I know nothing will ever top that no <laughs> but um I actually came across Sherlock I found like uh gifs of it on tumblr and I was like oh the show very interesting Ooh, about Sherlock yes modern 21st century let's do it and I couldn't watch it on like the like the BBC has a special player that you could watch their mm-hmm. their um content on but it doesn't work in the U.S. so I had to pirate it. so oh. I just <laughs> so I just went online and like immediately looked up the episode <laughs> so I watched all of them until I went to the library and I did it legally. Yes, <laughs> which is the way you should do it. We're not at all. We're not advocating for piracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I came across it. Um, you may Susie, there's a level of true confession that we yeah. don't need to confess. <laughs> okay. So, I found it online. Somebody dropped it on the yeah. internet. It's <laughs> there to be picked up. What do you want me to say? Um, yeah, and then uh, from that... Um, like, I had watched the movies, and I grew up watching this really weird Sherlock cartoon. I think it was called, like, Sherlock in the 22nd century, and Sherlock just shows up as a cyborg. 
Something oh, mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was odd. I just, that's like surface And I kind of like grew that helped like foster a love for I think British culture and it started my love affair with tea and just kind of <laughs> like went on from there. my love affair with tea yes oh my god if anyone asks I'm a huge advocate for tea no coffee <laughs> tea is where it's at that's funny okay well now if you guys want to go around and just say sort of your favorite seasons episodes and just a warning to everybody I mean there will be spoilers galore I'm assuming in this episode so if you don't want to be spoiled about anything Sherlock just uh go and watch them all and then come back and listen so I'll go ahead and start with you again Rebecca okay so I I think like many fans found that uh the first two seasons were definitely the strongest and highest points for the show and for me season two was is perhaps my favorite because my three favorite episodes I'll happened to be in that season uh favorite like episodes because they're long episodes with 80 minutes yeah. like maybe length yeah they're like they're like small movies maybe that's why i can actually get grant to sit down and watch them because yeah. i'm like we're gonna get a lot of content all at once and then you can take a break <laughs> but uh the hound of the baskervilles was always one of my favorite sherlock stories growing up and i've always loved seeing how that story is reinterpreted over and over and that's probably that that's one of my favorite episodes but i also love a scandal in bulgravia because that's where you meet irene adler and she's one of my favorite favorites um and then you have the reichenbach fall which was you know is based on what is really the end of the original sherlock stories when sir arthur conan doyle tried to kill off his own main beloved character <laughs> so those that in in a nutshell i would say yes season two all three, all three of those episodes are probably my favorites. They're the ones that I've rewatched the most. Cool, cool. And then you, Sasha? Um, I wholeheartedly agree with the uh, Rick and Buck Fall. That is got to be my favorite uh, episode in the entire series. Um, and I do agree that I think season two is probably the strongest season um, because of that. And I think it's just true to that character. But that final episode of season two is just phenomenal. It's got Moriarty, who is like one of my all-time favorite villains. He's just so great. Um, and I do, I got a soft spot for Irene. I agree, Rebecca. Like she's just, she's a fun character. So uh, seeing her is good as well. I do like in season three, though, uh, the wedding episode yeah. when uh john and mary get married and um just you know drunk sherlock is a whole lot of fun <laughs> watching sherlock try to make a best man speech as well is one of the one really big highlight moment of the show that i will go back and rewatch frequently. <laughs> just the eyeball in the tea yes yeah he just he struggles with all of it and it's just so fantastic and i think one of my favorite lines from the entire thing is when they're drunk and uh john is like oh he's cluing for looks <laughs> yes that's exactly what he's doing i say it all the time <laughs> he's cluing for looks uh-huh 
So those that's my like there's a couple of scenes that I like in other ones, but definitely Rick and Buck follows my favorite. Okay. Cool. And then Susie. I would have to say ditto. Oh. <laughs> it's just uh just my favorite because Irene Adler's such a boss and she's just amazing. She's like, well, you can't guess the combination to the safe, and then boom, it's the measurements to her body. <laughs> like how awesome is that? Like, yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna make this the code. It's fine. <laughs> I'm impressed that she's been able to keep her measurements that consistent that she hasn't had to change her combination over the I mean, years. She's like a professional picture. How could she not? She has all this money. But um, but I think like um also like the very first season, it's also like a big like it has a big soft spot because it's like where you're first introduced to like all the characters and you get to know them and the world that they live in, essentially. Yeah. Study in Pink is always a, a great Ooh, first. That's a just, great first episode for a show. Just love how Sherlock reads everyone. Like, <laughs> yes. <to the> <laughs> like, yes. Oh, you have dirt on your on your trousers. Mm, on the knee part, especially. Mm, suspicious. You smell like his deodorant. Oh. <laughs> You're right. He think he would fit in very well with drag, drag queen circles because he could really read everyone to fill. <laughs> he actually read a fan fiction where he was a drag queen. <laughs> oh. Since you mentioned that, we're going to skip ahead here a little bit because um, Rebecca shared um, a YouTube um, video about Sherlock paving the way for fanfic, um, which I did not realize and should have researched that for our fanfic episode last week. But so that's that's really interesting. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, Rebecca, because you mentioned fanfic made me think of that. So the video, in case anybody's curious, uh, you can find it on PBS Idea Channel uh, and the premise of of the video is that fan fiction as we know it today essentially got started with Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock because what happened to uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had become incredibly famous and popular writing stories about Sherlock Holmes the detective that we now all know and love and the problem is that over time like many authors Arthur Conan Doyle got sick of his own creation and he wanted to go on to other projects so he did what a lot of creative people do and he tried to kill Sherlock <laughs> which is the Reichenbach Falls which shows up uh, in pretty much every adaptation that you have come across since that storyline comes up again because then you have to find a way to resurrect Sherlock um, which Arthur Conan Doyle did have to do because there was such a demand for this character that he had to find a way to write him back into life um but because sherlock was public domain you their premise from the pbs idea channel video is that with this incredibly popular very well recognizable character being in the public domain any number of artists could take this character and play with all of these possibilities. What would, Sher what would Sherlock do at a wedding? How would Sherlock act if he was supposed to be the best man and get drunk <laughs> at John's <laughs> bachelor party? And so that's, I, that was sort of the argument, the premise that they, they took was that you can trace our modern fan fiction uh, and making those into their own independent popular series back to 
the way fans loved and reacted to and created their own stories with Sherlock Holmes. And hence, we are talking today about this other show that has become very popular, once again, adapting this story that's, oh, God, hang up. How, how old is Sherlock now? Um, hundred fifties or some years old <laughs> 18 the 90s something he's old enough to drink that we know yes he is definitely old enough to drink <laughs> i was not informed that there were going to be math questions on this quiz <laughs> i forgot to mention pop that quiz. yeah yes. <laughs> I think that's Can you put that in the show description, Erin? <laughs> yes, I should start doing that. Math There's going to be math was... equations. <laughs> There's going to be math for this episode. <laughs> spoilers and math. <laughs> yeah, spoilers and math. <laughs> well, that you have, uh, again, this, it, I think, is Sasha and Susie had mentioned that for people who are coming to this show, that's, I hadn't immediately started watching it when it became available in large part because I thought I've seen dozens of retellings of the Sherlock stories. That's nice. They've put it in modern London. I'm not sure what else I'm going to get out of this that I haven't gotten from other Sherlock stories. I'll watch it sometime because I love Sherlock. But it until it, it wasn't until my friend told me you need to watch the show because your well now husband is basically <laughs> in the in the show. Uh, but I think one of the things that having grown up with the stories that I really appreciate about the way that they've adapted these stories is that there is a lot of combining of some of the different Sherlock stories into single episodes. And if you know a lot about the Sherlock universe, you don't have to know a lot to get interested in the show. It's not a requirement for you to get every little, you know, possible <laughs> in-joke it's like, if you have not been a Arthur Conan Doyle scholar, you are not going to understand the show. But if you do happen to know all of those small details, they do make appearances throughout every season, every episode. And it's really fun being able to find those little yeah, things. It's like the Easter egg that people put in like movies or in games. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that I have to give Stephen Moffat a lot of credit for for all the other problems that I have with him uh, <laughs> is that I do feel like there's a lot of the, there was a lot of research into this adaptation and that little things that like I, I actually went to the Sherlock Museum when I was in <gasps> London <laughs> because they have a house set up that is every room is designed to look exactly the way it is described in the original books and they're all of those little details I see work their way into the show too like the skull on the mantelpiece the VR that's shot in bullet holes into the wall all of those little like the fainting couch where it's supposed to be all of those things I'm like oh, yes thank you <laughs> Rebecca I went to the Sherlock uh, as well when I was in London because it was like I'm here I have to go see Sherlock well I was gonna ask like did you guys go see the uh, Sherlock exhibit when it was in town yes I yes did. <laughs> yeah it was, <laughs> it was really cool to walk by the different displays where they had stuff from like the Sherlock show and like the movies and the like various other 
iterations of the thing. I really like the actors that walked around and be like, oh, did you see what the detective's brewing up? He's <laughs> like, the mystery he's tracking down. He's trying to solve it, is he? You here to help him. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's amateur, really. <laughs> I got my I Am Sherlock mug from that <laughs> exhibit. I got a hoodie and a little bag of tea, because why not? Because tea. Because tea. <laughs> tea Again. I think I also got the Sherlock tea <laughs> yeah. from that exhibit. It's yeah, all about I tea. Still, I still have the baggies because I just treasured that. That's what I'm really going to call this episode. It's the tea episode. Which is <laughs> how Sherlock introduced me to tea. Sherlock yep. spills the tea. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, basically what we're talking about, and you mentioned this in your last episode, Aaron, which I was revisiting on my my way down here this evening was that we're essentially talking about a show that is became incredibly popular very uh, well recognized as far as uh, you know awards and things like that that is basic and a lot of it is basically fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) so for all the people who say that fan fiction it cannot be high art screw you Um, so you guys mentioned some favorite seasons and episodes, um, and you guys briefly mentioned a little bit of other characters other than the two main two. Um, and I know we actually had someone, cause I posted seeing what everybody else's favorite things were. I had somebody mention Moriarty as well. So I know that you guys talked about that a little bit, a couple of, well, I don't remember who it was who mentioned it, but, um, that he was mentioned as well, that, that character was mentioned as well. So are there other characters other than the main two that are your favorites? Oh boy. Sasha, you want to go first? Uh, well, I mentioned Moriarty because he's he's one of those lovable villains, right? Like he's so crafty and so just adorable, which is <laughs> weird to say, but he really is adorable, you know? Um, so he's just a fun bad guy that you get to like. Uh, so I really, I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, and I think that Molly is kind of, um, she's kind of a minor character who has a major role, if that makes sense for me. Um, you know, like she's just, she's almost constantly put in the background and just in really awkward positions with Sherlock and it makes me nuts. Um, so at the beginning of season three, when he comes spoiler when he comes crashing through the window pops his collar and kisses her i'm finally like yes she got it you know it was like that little victory for her i was cheering so much and that is that episode is probably the most like fan uh i don't know what servicey fan servicey yes uh or even you might call it lip servicing to fans ever but still getting that moment finally whether it was real or not i was like yeah you're right, so Molly. Yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, watching your face, Rebecca, when Sasha mentioned Molly was absolutely awesome. Which we had a video camera because she was so excited. She was just beaming. <laughs> she was giddy. <laughs> well, because it's that as as a woman, you know, it's like when you like somebody, and then it's like, come on, notice, notice me. Have you noticed? I'm here. Hello, can you see me? You know, and then that whole thing. And again, like Rebecca said, real or not, that 
popping the collar and kissing her. It was like, thank God. <laughs> About time. <laughs> I may or may not have rewound that moment a few times. <laughs> it's very fair and valid. <laughs> oh, I love Molly Hooper so much. So much so that it's part of my obsession with this show. A couple years ago, I bought my husband the Sherlock coat. And I got myself a lab coat and a very Molly looking shirt so that we could go out to the bar. And I got myself a red wig so that we could go out to the bars as Molly and Sherlock. But this was at I love that. Yes. <laughs> Just I'm real curious. Where did you get the coat? I ordered it online. Oh, my God. See, well, also, when, like, Sherlock was in its prime, um, Hot Topic was selling the coat. I wish that I had known that. I may have bought yeah. it. <laughs> I may have bought it <laughs> just to wear around the house. <laughs> I I actually found somebody who was like a small like cosplay creator and seller who was selling them on Etsy, and I actually wanted to go as Irene Adler initially, and but then I was like, I can't afford to buy two of these coats. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have to be Molly and just be hopelessly in love with you all night <laughs> while you ignore me at the bar. <laughs> so, that's so, yes, yeah, Sasha's Molly is one of my favorites too, and I feel she gets so underrated. And I also have so many times that I want to just pour a like a kettle of hot tea. Steve Moffat's head for what he does to poor Molly throughout the yes. show. <laughs> yes. Because, I, like, one, what, yes, go ahead, Sasha. Sorry. No, I was just going to say 100%. Like, it's just not fair. It's not fair. I think that's one of my, it's one of my big problems with being a female fan of this show is that I love so much about it and I love so many of these characters and I feel like there are so many wonderful female characters that end up just getting completely trampled over and there's a part of me that always wants like that has kind of rewritten some of some episode endings in my head <laughs> just to just to try and deal with that because I start out loving them so much and then I go Stephen Moffat why why did you do that to Irene Adler <laughs> Why did you do that to Molly? Yes. These women so much. Well, and Aaron, I think, did we talk about it in Buffy or did you guys talk about it on another episode about like just female characters that get that horrible treatment? Yeah, we did talk about, we talked about um, fridging. We talked a little bit about that on Buffy and then I know we've talked about that before, but yeah, we talked about where female characters are killed to cause man pain. Um, you know, because we also mentioned that that's a big problem with Supernatural too, which when we get to that episode, we'll talk about, but yes, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that seems to be, that seems to be a common theme when shows are centered around men. A lot of times, um, they tend to want to hurt the women to cause more action from the men kind of thing. Sometimes I don't know if that's exactly the case in Sherlock, but yeah, Uh, yeah, what can we do to cause drama? I know kill the woman. Yes. This will. This is an excuse for the man to express emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's if we may get into real big spoiler territory here. Then that's exactly what they do to Mary Watson in the show, and that yes, that episode is my least favorite 
of all time. I recently went back and and rewatched it because I was like, okay, I'm gonna. I haven't watched season four in a long time. I'm gonna go back and rewatch it. And I finished the end of the episode, and I was like, nope, I have to turn this off again. <laughs> Still makes me so mad <laughs> because they build Mary Watson in the original stories is literally just a a woman that is mentioned as being John's wife. That's her entire purpose in the original stories. And they get a chance to develop her so much in this series. And she becomes this wonderful member of, you know, John and Sherlock's team. And then they shoot her. (laughs) And it's pretty much just to cause John pain. Mm-hmm. and push the story that way i see Susie making a face would you like to, <laughs> to comment on that i mean oy, we're just gonna go back to the old classic shoot the woman yes okay that is that is what happens is that makes me so sad and now i'm sad oh. now we're all sad <laughs> okay i'm sad and i haven't even watched it but <laughs> i'm just sad it always happens on shows but um I'm like sitting over here all by myself with my cat in my lap and I'm like I need a tissue. (laughs) (laughs) Just use the tail. Use the tail. (laughs) Well, you know, as as far as like that whole character's arc, it they literally do make her last words like basically, you two, John and Sherlock, you need to stay together and keep working together. Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and then she croaked. Um, uh, no, I mean, she doesn't like, that's not like her dying speech. The, they find a video later that she's recorded for them in the event of her death. And that is her final message to them, mm-hmm. which still pisses me off. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's, it's just annoying. crappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that needs to change. Shows need to change that and, mm-hmm. you know, kill some men. <laughs> women pain <laughs> switch it or up just some. kill them and walk over their dead bodies it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> i would like to find a fix it fix in which mary does not die there probably there probably, probably like are some out there you can pretty much find anything out there in, in fanfic world so to any of the audience listening if you have any or if you've written any <laughs> i will give you my twitter account at the end of the show you can send me your recommendations <laughs> Yes, I need, I need some healing. <laughs> still, years later, I still need healing. This is what happens when you're a fan. You care so much, and these fictional characters' deaths still hurt mm-hmm. you. Years yep. later. Thank you. Yep. Pain, pain, go away. <laughs> Do you have peanut butter dogs? <laughs> Do you have any other um, favorite characters, Susie, that you want to mention? Well, <laughs> I feel like we're going to take a hard right here. <laughs> but I do enjoy Detective Destroyer. <laughs> Oh, yes. And yes! How he has to deal with having this detective just come around and be like, I'm going to solve things for you because you're incompetent. <laughs> you and all your team. <laughs> and he just, I don't know, I feel like he takes it in stride and just like, oh, I forget. I think it's the Viking Buck Fall where he just, he's just sitting on his like desk with his feet up and drinking a cup of tea. They're like, there's the there's the robbery at a bank, and he goes, not my division. <laughs> yes, not my while division. his mouth is like full of cookies or donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that. It's a very often gift moment for me, yeah. where I will send that to people. Say, not my department. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and also uh, Mrs. Hudson. She's just a joy and a delight <laughs> to have. Another character that gets a lot more depth in this reimagining that sadly does not end up often going much of any place because Mrs. Hudson literally appears in the original stories just there. Like she's the woman who opens the door basically. (laughs) She does not make much of an appearance. Yes, exactly. He's upstairs. (laughs) Uh. That's interesting. Which again, I think is, it's a funny detail that they like to add in the show of how many times Mrs. Hudson says, I'm not your housekeeper because that is what she is in the original story. Yeah. <laughs> and then bring some tea and cookies. And yes. Oh, here, you need to eat something. <laughs> I just, I do like how the show like explores like the relationship that she has with um, Sherlock and Watson, especially Sherlock. Like um, I think it's also in the same episode of Rocky Black where <laughs> she gets threatened by the assassin. And Sherlock just throws him out a window for threatening her. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh, that's gonna hurt, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's great. That's such a wonderful moment. <laughs> yes. It's I also great. like this scene for Mrs. Hudson when she comes in and she's bringing him the tea, and he's—is it after the wedding or after the bachelor night or whatever, where he's kind of hungover and he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Bringing your tea." It's like, you bring me tea? She's like, where did you think it came from? It's like, it just appears. No, it doesn't appear. Somebody's bringing it to you. But he's just so like, oh, there's tea. Just kind of cracked me up. He just takes for granted the fact that tea will be there. Yeah. Correct. In the same way that he takes for granted often that John is like sitting across from him listening to him, which I think in season four... During one scene, John replaces his face with just a balloon sitting there with a smiley face on it in the chair. And it's taken Sherlock four hours to notice. Yes. That's not actually John sitting in the chair. So very observant and so unaware. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's great just sitting here as an observer of someone who hasn't watched the show and just watching Susie and Rebecca's faces and then also listening to you, Sasha, and just seeing... Um, just the joy and then also the sadness of some stuff and frustration with some things, you know, it just, it's just shows you that with every fandom, it's the same thing. It just kind of brings out this joy um, and also can bring out frustration and love. And just, it's just, I just want to say that just really quickly, that it's really cool. That's what fandom really is about. That's what falling in love with something really is about. So um, I just had to add that in there because it's just a joy to really watch you guys reacting <laughs> to this. Um, so it can be painful sometimes to be a yeah, fan. It is. It <laughs> like can be very painful. <laughs> yeah. Like we haven't even touched on the special that they had for Sherlock, the Abominable Bride. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you? <laughs> yes. Oh. So, and I heard Sasha groan. Oh. So she, I, <laughs> Would you like to share your feelings on the Abominable Bride? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't imagine her throwing her arms down. No. <laughs> oh. It was one of those moments that was so wonderful and so bad to be a fan, especially a female fan at the same time, because I was loving that story so much. And then we got to the end of it. And Sherlock mansplains feminism. 
to oh, a group of women of suffragettes <laughs> that are for some reason dressed in purple. I mean, huh. I blocked that from my other way. I just like focusing <laughs> on the bride. <laughs> I know, right? I like to block that part of the episode from my mind, too. <laughs> I like to just forget how it ends. <laughs> now that you've read it, it's all coming back to me now. No, I'm just going to focus on the bride and how how fun she was. <laughs> And how wonderful it was to see Molly Hooper cross-dressing as a man so that she could work in her chosen profession yes. in the 1890s. Yes. In the morgue. That was one of my favorite moments in that entire episode is her bursting into the morgue and going, Holmes! <laughs> <laughs> and you as the audience immediately know, like, oh, that's Molly Hooper. <laughs> yes, she's here. <laughs> And Sherlock's too oblivious to notice the fact that that's clearly a woman. Oh my god, that reminds me. Okay, this is going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but there's this uh, <laughs> this claymation movie called Pirates Ahoy, and in it, like the one of the pirate crew is most clearly a curvaceous woman just wearing a beard, <laughs> and she's in love with the captain, but he doesn't know. He's like. Oh, it's so great that you're a man just like us. And she's like, Yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, <laughs> boy, Captain. <laughs> it just reminds me of that. There's, there's a lot of those kind of things in, in, uh, in media. <laughs> a lot of movies and a lot of shows like that. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that, that trope, really. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Um, well, you guys have already touched a little bit on least favorite characters and episodes. So before going back to that, since you haven't really, you've touched a little bit on the main characters, but um, a big thing, and this has come up a lot. So this is why we definitely need to do an episode just about this is um, I know this show has been accused of queer baiting with Sherlock and Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if everybody, does anybody have any feelings on that or opinions on that or. Oh, so many. Who wants to start? <laughs> Go for it, lady. Susie, you start. I've started somewhere. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, don't put me on the spot here. No. Okay. Let's, let's start here. <clears throat> um, I, I myself am an avid, uh, not avid, but I am a shipper of John Locke. And just the queer baiting in the show just... Uh, <laughs> Like, I want it to happen, but they're just so scared to. And, like, you can't see, like, the genuine connection between the two. And it's just, it's very frustrating in a way just to, you know. And also, as part of, like, I am part of the LGBTQ community, and I just want to see representation of my peeps. And when you can't have it, in like one of the shows that you really like it just it hurts it hurts a lot i can see that like i think what always it what always bothered me the most about seeing queer baiting specifically in the show sherlock is that especially when you start season three where you have all of these theories that different characters are posing about how sherlock survived you can tell that there's it they're very deliberately like 
playing off of what they've heard fans saying in that entire, you know, downtime between season two and season three, which is a little bit of like winking at the audience saying, yeah, yeah, we know that you guys were talking about this, but they really play up the queer bathing in that episode. And it's really, I think that was the point where I found it the most insulting because you have a moment where one of the theories that somebody comes up with is that it was really a dummy that Sherlock pushed off the roof and he and Moriarty are secretly best friends and they're sitting up there on the roof while everybody else is panicking below having a good laugh and then they lean in for a kiss and then you cut to, cut back to reality and somebody saying no no that's definitely not what happened because I felt like that was the point where Steve Moffat and Mark Gattis were like we know you guys think Sherlock could be gay haha <laughs> you're dumb that's you're dumb that's the <laughs> moment when the cheeky wig just became a slap to the face yes and the thing is like people have been saying that Sherlock and John could be gay since I think about the 1890s like I seem to remember reading somewhere please don't quote me on this I'm so sorry if I'm wrong but I seem to remember reading at one point that that was why John got married in the original stories in the first place was to hmm. just be like look he is not gay I mean there's there was even um oh sorry yes uh, there was even a post that I saw on Tumblr at one point where like Mrs. Hudson tells um the guys in I think at the very first episode she goes oh yeah Mrs. Uh, what's her name next door has two and they're married and um they've they said that, like, um, in the post, they revealed that within the books, um, Mrs. Hudson and the other lady, I don't remember her name. The other landlady. The other yeah. landlady were essentially, like, the same character, and Mrs. Hudson just moonlighted as the other lady. And so there was, like, the huh. cheeky little fan theory that, like, <laughs> she's saying they're going to get married. Huh. Yeah, there's... Uh... I have such a problem with it because I, I don't particularly care whether or not if, if somebody wants to ship John Locke, I can totally see how that happens. There's a lot of chemistry, especially because part of what I love so much about the show is Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman have such amazing performances for John and Sherlock. And they have such a great chemistry and such a great rapport that, yeah, I could totally see, see that being a couple, but I also had always seen the character of Sherlock from even going back to the original stories and in so many other iterations as being asexual. Like that was just not something that he was ever interested in, whether he would be ever romantically interested in somebody or not. That, and I like every time I think about the character, I can't really picture him being like, yes, let's go to bed <laughs> together. <laughs> okay. Well, next. Doesn't necessarily have to be all sexual. It could be a very like loving, platonic, romantic, domestic partnership. <laughs> I suppose that's a possibility. But Rebecca, I think that to help with urges, Rebecca. I won't yeah. listen because I think this is a family podcast. Well, so I don't know but just to I can get. I've had a lot of jump on the bandwagon <laughs> of Rebecca with like I always saw Sherlock as kind of like that. He's too busy for any real, like, quality relationships. 
which is why he struggles with he's like wait a minute i have to be the best man i have a friend what um and so in that supposed to do (laughs) right well but in that wedding episode when the bridesmaid is kind of flirting with him and hitting on him like you know the maid of honor and the best man it's kind of a thing and Sherlock's like what she's like okay (laughs) maybe not but my favorite part about that interaction he has with her is you know when uh they bust the bad guy and she's like do you always carry handcuffs on you he's like down girl you know he's he's not it's like he's really not interested in any romantic anything um so i can see the aversion to relationships in him regardless of anything else this may be an, un- an unpopular opinion because I understand where, especially Susie, as you mentioned, if you are part of the LGBTQ community and you see a real lack of representation, I can definitely understand seeing this relationship between these two characters. Of, and this happens in a lot of different, different medias and different stories and universes wanting to to see them in a relationship, somebody that represents you. But I've always felt like it was kind of a disservice to assume that they must be gay because there are so few stories in which I feel like you get to see a really strong emotional intimacy and connection between two straight men and have that be okay. And that, I feel like I've met so many men and I've had this conversation with my husband several times because of all the things that he is a, a fan of. Sorry, Grant, I'm talking about you a lot on this, this episode. <laughs> love you. Should be a guest to play. Yes. Yes. Uh, he really loves the Lord of the Rings series. And of course, there, for years, people read a lot of those characters as Sam and uh, Frodo as being gay. And it always kind of drove my husband a little, a, a little irritated, I guess. It drove him a little batty because he said, no, that's not the point. He's like, they're supposed to, he's like, they're more like, you know, brothers, brothers in arms. Yeah. yeah. He's like, that's the point is that you're supposed to have this, this really strong, you know, friendship and devotion between the two of them, because that's what Tolkien saw when he was fighting in the first world war is the sort of brotherhood that he formed with these men that he was literally fighting and dying with. And so I, I always feel like it's nice to get these, to be able to show these relationships. I'm like, I kind of want to show straight men like, look, you could, you could entirely have a really close friend, whether they're a man or a woman, and there doesn't have to be sex involved. And so I always feel whenever they go, yes, you can be vulnerable with each other. It's okay. You can hug. It's all right. You <laughs> shake hands. We don't have to leap to hugs right away. Yes, we, yes, we don't have to leap to hugs right away. We'll stair step it. We can't shake first. And I and I agree with that. I think, but I think what the biggest issue with queer baiting is, and always will be, is the fact that it is playing on people's emotions. Yeah. It is using them to be in their audience, 
It is using people in the LGBTQ community to be in their audience, dragging them, pulling them in, and then going, ha, 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 and just dragging them along and along and along and along and giving them little carrots here and there. And so that's why it's a huge issue. While I agree, you do need to have more male relationships where it is, you know, where it, it doesn't, it, 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 you can just show the more uh, vulnerable side without it being sexual, but there aren't a lot of relationships on some of these shows that do the, that where it does lead to where they actually are in a sexual relationship. I mean, it's getting better, but that's not always the case anyway, when that happens, I think personally. So I think that that's why, I mean, I, I've never watched Sherlock, so I get, so I can't really comment on what they do in, in this case. Um, but I know that that's why it's such an issue is because it's really using fans. It's really kind of a using and abusing fans. I think that's why people have an issue with it. I mean, I'm not in the community, so I don't want to completely speak for the community, but that's what I've heard. And that's why, um, I think it's, I think it's an issue because I, I see both sides, but I think that that's, I mean, I just think it's wrong to sort of bait people like that. You know, think, with a promise yeah. that something will happen when you, when they know it's never going to happen. Yeah. I think, yeah, which like it can also um, like of all the low like representation for the most part can also lead to like any representation that we do have, we just hold on to it and mm-hmm. we just hold it close, even if we know it's wrong. Like Call Me by My Name or Love Simon, those movies. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they have such issues but it's like the gay community when they came out they just like latched onto those for some reason and well i get why because they were like we're being represented and it's like well there's better things out there guys come on but you cling to what you have yeah i think that that you feel that that's all you're gonna get and yeah i think that you you made the very a very good distinction Aaron between in the difference especially in the show between queer coding and queer baiting which queer baiting is that very specific we're calling it out to say yeah we know everybody thinks John and Sherlock are gay and we're going to have the characters have to like roll their eyes and shout and have to have other characters make that the butt of the joke for just about every episode like oh you two you're like an old married couple or and I'm like that's that's so mean because that is the that that's where you're taking it and you're making it a joke as opposed to just saying that's that's nice (laughs) you guys are so close (laughs) that's lovely Whereas I think, so you uh, put in the outline, Mary uh, Kate McAlpin write, has written about this uh, on her blog several times about that difference between queer coding versus uh, queer baiting. And Susie, as you mentioned, that's, that's something that's come up, you know, for so many years, writers uh, and filmmakers could not explicitly make their characters gay. It was very specifically forbidden. It was your movie would not be released. You could get fired. Mm -hmm. And so they had to write characters in a way where the audience knows like, yeah, we know, like we're, we're getting the signs that, that this is, they're actually a couple or he's gay or she's a lesbian. And 
we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I would like mm -hmm. to see a Sherlock adaptation in which they went ahead and went for it and made John and Sherlock a couple because <laughs> I think it would work really well. <laughs> I think that like, would be yes, fantastic. It would, because then it's just like, oh, look at me, I got to deal with this poor friend of mine. We all know it all. You can't, you can't hide any surprises. <laughs> like, what would that relationship dynamic be? Like, I'm going to make a surprise dinner. Like, oh, I'm going to get him this for his birthday. And then, oh, ma'am, he knows. <laughs> I already know because I saw the flower on your elbow. And so I know that you've been making cakes, but you're not very good at it. And so you decided to buy the mix anyway. <laughs> That's my best impression of Sherlock. <laughs> well, and also another way to do representation, which you don't get a lot of asexual representation in media, really. I mean, no. you don't get a lot of that. So that would be another way. I mean, because I know you mentioned that, Rebecca, of him being, uh, thinking of Sherlock as being asexual. And I don't know if the show has outright said that at all or made that kind of. So it's. I feel like that's also, like, I think the whole queerbaiting thing, it doesn't just have to be, like, about, like, oh, they're both gay and they're in a relationship. I think it also might have to do with the fact that they say, like, oh, is he asexual? Is he straight? We don't know. He's just, he's just Sherlock, which is also fine. But, again, I feel like it's also playing on people's, like, hopes and emotions that, like, they might want to see him represented as asexual so that they can have like um another you have representation kind of like figurehead yeah. for the movement you know it's just like how people were so excited when they announced that uh, Newt Scamander was asexual and then they just threw that out the window whoa I missed that yeah <laughs> whoa I mean I, I think I read it somewhere that someone had said although correct me if I'm wrong because I'm pretty sure I am but I think someone at somewhere mentioned that um, it was revealed that Newt was asexual or something of the sort, and they just completely disregarded that. And there's also the thing with um, Jughead from the Archie comics in mm -hmm. Riverdale, how the actor and everyone was talking about how oh he's gonna be asexual, guys, don't worry, we're gonna you're gonna have this character, it's gonna be great. And then they just put him in a hetero relationship, which was great. <laughs> yeah the cw can be pretty bad <laughs> i would say they've done some pretty bad bad things there um even with when they've had people in relationships they they've done a lot of fridging of characters um but yeah but and we're definitely we're going to be doing um like i said on a show the other day we are going to be doing um in june for pride month we're going to be doing a bunch of shows about specific shows like will and grace and queer as folk and the l word and then we're also going to be talking about the future of future representation the representation now mm -hmm. probably even bringing out shows like pose which i highly recommend mm -hmm. um you gotta have sensate on there and then Great okay show. yeah and then um yeah so we'll we'll have a lot of different things that month because i think it's very important so just want to throw that out there um Okay, so before we close out, um, we we've talked about Sherlock and Watson in this in in queer baiting, and then a little bit mentioning in other areas, um, and a little bit about the actors. But I just want to sort of go around, and if you guys just want to describe um, if how you feel about this representation of those characters, the betrayal, the actors, stuff like that. 
um, and how it compares to maybe other ones. Other adaptations. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that um, I love so much about the show is that apart from the visual style, because I came from uh, broadcast and film world myself. And so I love I love how they visually represented Sherlock's thought process and how he notices all of these tiny details in a way that I don't think any other adaptation has captured before. But as I mentioned at the the start of the show, um, I love the way that, uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch has portrayed the character of Sherlock Holmes. I feel like it's one of the best adaptations of the character that I've ever seen. I actually had, I was not very enthusiastic about the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Um, And people were always like, why? I thought you loved Sherlock Holmes. I'm like, Robert Downey Jr. is too much of a playboy to me to be the completely logical, you know, like single-minded, detail-focused Sherlock that I know. And for that matter, I also felt like Martin Freeman does such a wonderful job of showing exactly why John is necessary to the Sherlock stories, because I think John was used for so long in adaptations of the stories as just either literally just the sidekick, like, I guess I need somebody else to come along. So you've got to go to John to, you know, in the original stories, he's he's not really the narrator, but he's the one who is effectively telling Sherlock's story. And they, they keep that in this adaptation, but he is what makes Sherlock human. And so I love so much about that. I think that this, this show and this adaptation has done such a wonderful job of casting all of these characters in a way that really brings these characters that we've had for a hundred <laughs> 133 years. 133. 133. I was curious, so I Googled it. Good. Now we have a number. 133 years. You get the math medal. Yay! No. I just just Googled. That's all I did. So these characters that we've had for 133 years, uh, I feel like like this is one of the, in some ways, uh, as far as like bringing the the attributes that really make Sherlock who he is, make John Watson who he is, even bringing out these characters that were originally minor throwaway characters like Mary Watson, like Mrs. Hudson, like Irene Adler. Like, I feel like all of the actors in the show have just done such a wonderful job of bringing all of their traits to life. And I love it so much. <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, do you have anything to add to that? Um, just ditto. <laughs> just I ditto. think that the casting, the casting is phenomenal. Um, I, I want to point out that I realized going back and watching just a couple of the episodes, just to kind of jog my memory. Uh, there's one scene where Benedict Cumberbatch is coming out of a building and he flips his coat on and it's the exact same move he makes in Doctor Strange when he puts the cape on. So apparently (laughs) 
Sherlock and Strange are the same person. Just so you know. Um, it was the exact same move. I was like, wait, what movie am I watching? What do you think the director um, was? Did you say, you know that thing you did in Sherlock? Do that now. <laughs> could be. It was the exact same life. move. <laughs> maybe. maybe maybe that's actually how he just puts coats on. Maybe. <laughs> that could be it, too. Yeah. It's, it's like, just his preferred method. <laughs> to fling it in slow motion. Yes. Yeah. He bends the laws. <laughs> so you're telling me I've been putting my coat on wrong all these years? Yes. Yes, yes. yes you have. You've been putting it on in slow motion. Oh. All right, I'll work on that. <laughs> Susie, do you have anything to add with the performances or just the way the characters are portrayed? I mean, I do. I've seen a few iterations of Sherlock in my day. And <laughs> I do like what kind of, I can appreciate what each one like brings to the table, like from the animated to like the film and to the, um, to the TV show. So. But with the TV show, I really do like how we are given a chance to go more in depth with with characters that were more like background, and we get to learn more about them and what their interaction is with Sherlock and Watson and how it all comes together cohesively to like create this world that we get to enjoy. Cool. Well said. Um, well, before we close out, is there anything else anybody wants to mention that you want to make sure gets mentioned on this episode about Sherlock? Like anything? I mean, I know we could do probably a whole other episode or other hour long, but anything else really quickly? <laughs> Rebecca, I see Rebecca's face. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? Hear that? Her motors are revving up. Like I'm ready to go. I have so many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Um, I, I I think that I will say for um, I think there's there's so much to think about the show and when when it was first recommended to me I did not think that I would have become the the fangirl for it that I am today and I think that that's one of the wonderful things about about fandoms in general is that they're they're these pieces of fiction that find their way to be so personal to us to the point that I am wearing my Sherlock t-shirt right now and that I made my husband dress up as Sherlock for Halloween one year so that we could be my favorite ship couple of the show. (laughs) Um, I love this show so much. (laughs) Well, sometime we might have to do another one and just have you just gushing about it. gushing about it, and then watch her get sad when you mention what Stephen Moffat does to her favorite female character. <sighs> so bad. It is yeah. so bad. I, I will say that's that could be a whole topic for another time. It's about Stephen Moffat's problems with women. Yes. <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to make a note of that <laughs> okay well um, once again you know there are other things that this brought up that we could definitely talk about um, and do whole episodes on um, but we're going to close it out for now and I just go around and everybody can just say where they can be found if you want to be found remember you don't have to be found and if there's anything you want to plug that's fandom pop culture etc related anything like that so start with you Rebecca 
Okay, so if uh, anybody has some of their favorite Sherlock fix that they want to recommend to me or fix it fix for some of our our problems that we mentioned today, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Rebecca Jacobson, all one word, and it's S-O-N. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> as far as like plugging things from fandoms, I think it's kind of interesting. I mentioned that what I had just finished is the show Sex Education. And we talked a lot about representation uh, for the LGBTQ community and queer baiting and things like that in this episode. So if you want to see a show that does a wonderful job of showing a wide spectrum of sexuality, especially in a group of young people as they're exploring and learning about sex for the you know, first time, I highly recommend Sex Education. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really clever show and a really, it does a really wonderful job of making sure a lot of those groups get equal time and are seen in their characters. So awesome, awesome. I'll have to check that out. Okay, and then Sasha? Um, I, as previous, I'm going to remain <laughs> incognito for now and unfindable. <laughs> okay. Um, Susie, do you want to be found? Well, I too will remain an enigma. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe in the future sometime. Give me a call. <laughs> yeah, but for now, enigma I shall be. I just get to enjoy the dulcet tones of, dulcet tones of my voice. <laughs> um, but in terms of fandom related, like plugging anything, um, if you folks get a chance to watch Cats, <laughs> the 98 <laughs> Not the 2019. No, one. the 98. Just please do. It's a hoot. It's a weird. It's a weird trip, but it's a trip. Um, I don't know. And also, just give Sensei a, a gander. Just it's a really good show exploring also like human sexuality and also human relationships and how we all interact and like um, yes, interact with each other and just how humanity evolved. It explores themes of like connection and family, and it's really, it's a really wonderful show. <laughs> yeah, and I've written it down for something to be covered in the future. If it doesn't, if we don't touch on it, you know, in one of the episodes in June, which I'm sure we will. But if we don't, it definitely will be something that will happen in the future. Um, and then I'm sorry, Sasha. Was there anything you wanted to plug? Um, no, it's fine. No, okay, I'm good. <laughs> um, and this is Erin. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. That's all one word. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. And be sure to follow the show on Facebook at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Um, on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Um, and you can email us if you'd like to with any feedback, any questions, any ideas for future episodes at um, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com and next week uh, we are going to be talking about the Oscars so and that is something that Aaron is a huge 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 geek about so um, that should be fun I also have lots of issues but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you'll hear me ranting and raving um, but yeah that'll be next week's show so until then remember it's a fandom thing thank you guys thank you Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com